The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests of the program are employees of the advertiser. Opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Bell Media and TSN 1050. It is time for Greg Carrasco! Kick it! Show. Get this party on the road. How fast can this right go? Whoa, yeah. Celebrity guests from the East Coast to the West. Who knows who he has next? At Greg Carrasco, trending Twitter like a bomb. Tens of thousands on his lawn. He's even followed by your mom. Broadcasting live. Here is your warning. The topics are flowing every Saturday morning. Car talk like Sherlock. The guy knows wheels like a Dow stock. Movie talk on a boardwalk. Shoot facts like a tomahawk. So entertaining. Turn up the station. There's no more waiting. The show is beginning. It's too late to escape. Let's go. Here's your host, Greg. Good morning, slackers. Good morning, Ontario. And here we are yet again on a glorious Saturday morning, congregating where all the minds come and meet every Saturday morning for the last 13 years or so and listen to the Carrasco Gospel. We discuss ideas, we talk about cars, we get involved in politics, but most of all, I just want to have a conversation. And I want to leave you with this thought this morning, that if I cannot change your mind on the subject, regardless of what facts or whatever information I may say. If I cannot change your mind, and you've made that decision that your mind will not be changed, it's not a discussion. It's an argument. And I don't want to have an argument with anybody. So the opinions expressed here on the show are my opinions alone. They're not the opinions of Bell Media. They're not the opinions of the company that I work with. They're my opinions. And I'm just a dumb car guy, so you don't have to listen to me either. <laughs> I have a master's degree on hard knocks. I have, a, I have a master's degree on life. I have the white beard to prove it. So when we open the phone lines, which by the way are already open, 416-870-1050 is the number, 416 416- 870-1050 is the number. And if you're calling from out of town, it's 1-855-591-6876. If you want to listen to us from the comfort of your home. If you're sitting in the garage listening to the good old Carrasco, sipping back on some caffeine or some scotch, if you will, the safety of your own home, no judgment here because I have gotten into this really interesting habit of consumption on Saturday mornings that I believe is having a positive effect in my life just on Saturday mornings 
You can listen to us on your phone at uh, iHeartRadio or TSN, uh, tsn.ca slash radio. Is that, that's, is that the link, Ben? tsn.ca slash radio. That is correct, correct. yes. tsn.ca slash radio. And just make sure you're selecting uh, Toronto 1050 as opposed to one of our other sister stations. Well, depending on the level of consumption that you have had this morning, you may, may be listening or looking for us in Edmonton. So the, um, it's very important that we need to pay the bills this morning. Uh, so the show is brought to you every Saturday morning by Oakville Nissan in Oakville Infinity. I have to thank everyone that uh, listens to the show and come down and supports the operation that we have running at Oakville. Uh, and people are coming from all over Southern Ontario. I love you all. You guys are amazing. Um, I love everybody that listens to the show, everybody that comes and buy a vehicle from us. There's only one person that I don't love, and um, that will continue to be the case for a while. So you know who you are. I don't love you. I don't. Sorry. My love is not extended to you. Everybody else, you're welcome. Come down. I will make your worries and anxieties go away when it comes to buying a vehicle. Uh, our store is one of the very, very few stores. Now there's a few stores doing this, but uh, we're one of the very few stores that uh, we have no commission salespeople. We have salary employees. Their only goal is to make sure that you find what, we, what you need, not what we want to sell you and make the most money on. No, that's not what we do. That's not it. Uh, we also give you a 30-day, a thousand kilometer exchange policy. So if you finance a vehicle with us, we will give you 30 days for a thousand kilometers to use, change your mind. So there is no buyer's remorse. You can come down and just exchange a vehicle for something similar. And also, I hate negotiating with people because I'm better at it. Um, remember that every time you walk into a car dealership, you're dealing with experienced negotiators and this is what they do for a living. And, and no, I don't care how good you are. Uh, you don't do it as often as we do it. And practice gives you expertise. And we do this every single day. So we try not to put you at a disadvantage the moment that you walk into the store. We just give you our best price right up front. So all these three things combined, I mean, together with many more, uh, we call this the freedom promise. Freedom from commission. Freedom from remorse, freedom from pressure, which is uh, the top three things that make people very, very uncomfortable when it comes to buying a vehicle. So we don't do that. Uh, we try to keep it clean. We try to keep it transparent. And, uh, and on that basis, we have been certainly punching above our weight class. Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity are performing in ways that uh, is, is unbelievable. You got to remember that Oakville is a little tiny place. You know, right there in southern Ontario, small. I think there's only 110, 120,000 people. And uh, we, the last time I checked, and please don't quote me on this, I checked the Polk Report. Polk Report is, is something that tells you what sort of market share we have within a private market area. Uh, we were crushing our market share, which was almost 20%. Like two out of 10 cars sold in Oakville are bought out of Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity. That is insane. And uh, anyone that has ever received an email from me, there's a quote at the bottom that says, results are the only proof of ability. I'll repeat this, results 
are the only proof of ability and the results are there. If anybody ever wants to question what we do and what Carrasco and his team does whenever we take over a store, uh, you just go and look at the numbers. The numbers will speak for themselves. Don't listen to me. Just look at the numbers. Uh, also, because the store is doing as well as it's doing, we are growing. And this is how we contribute in a free society to, uh, to our town, to our area, to, to society by, in, in general. Um, we're looking for two salespeople. There's a base salary. It's a substantial base salary. There is also a car allowance and uh, significant bonuses that are available. So if you are, um, if what I say speaks to you and you feel that you want to call work for a chill boss, because when it comes to chill, I was born with all of it. You need to come and see me. Send me your resume at greg at gregcarrasco.com. Greg at gregcarrasco.com. That is my personal email. Uh, your email would be confidential. Uh, no one will ever know other than my managers. will call you in for an interview. And uh, we'll see if you would be the right fit. Um, secondly, we are looking for a finance manager. Not an F&I product salesperson because you find those ones a dime a dozen. They... Um, I know that many people that listen to the show are, are, are driving to the office right now. And if you are an F&I sales, an F&I product salesperson, um, you are the one that are not paying attention to licensing on your vehicles. You're not there for your deliveries. Your paperwork sucks. You have a bunch of held offerings. You, you, you're not good. You're not a manager. You're just a salesperson pretending to be a manager. So I don't want one of those ones. I don't. I don't. We, uh, we will find out very, very quickly whether you are an F&I product salesperson or an actual finance manager. So I'm looking for a finance manager um, for, uh, for anyone that is looking to make a change. And if you are a rock star, I put a video on Instagram um, a few days ago. Um, and I said that when you look in the mirror, if you, what you see is a, is a rock star. You need to send me your resume because um, we we are an F&I store. We concentrate in making the right choices for the consumer to advise the people to, to make right choices for long-term ownership. And uh, and on that basis, I think that you, you owe it to yourself to explore the possibilities. Um, you know, sometimes we don't know that we have chains around us until we move. And uh, I want you to explore the possibility of looking at other stores and see what is out there and we can offer to you. Um, all you need to do is see all the people that have been working for me for you know, over 10, 12, 13 years that come with me from store to store because they, they just believe in what I do and I, I'm also fair. I'm not a nice boss. I'm not a anything other than just fair. That's it. Must my only goal. Now, before we get into the show, folks, and again, the lines are open, 416-870-1050. Uh, I want to share something that happened last week at the store, and, and it's very, very important that you pay attention to this. Um, a customer that came in from really far away, three hours away from the city, they came down and they purchased a new Rogue. They were leasing a Cadillac. Now, the Cadillac was in really good condition. Um, it didn't have a sunroof, but it didn't matter because the buyback was X number of dollars. And because these folks have so little kilometers, there was some positive equity. So they owed $18,000 was the buyback on this car. But the car was actually worth $20,500. It does happen from time to time. Believe it or not, you can have some positive equity on a vehicle. But here is the problem. 
that uh, Cadillac has turned itself into a protectionist system. So even though we decided to buy this Cadillac from them and give the customer the positive equity, Cadillac said, eh, eh, I'm not selling you the car. So we couldn't provide the vehicle, uh, the customer with a positive equity. So they just robbed the consumer from a $2,500 positive equity that they were going to use as a capital cost reduction on the lease of a Rogue. So apparently this is happening with a bunch of other car manufacturers. Uh, apparently Ford does it. Apparently Mercedes is doing it. Uh, and um, I don't know the number of car manufacturers that are doing this, but um, I have never been for leasing. I don't believe that leasing is a good idea for most people. There are some exceptions. But uh, and I always, I've always said this, that uh, if leasing was good for the consumer, car manufacturers wouldn't let you do it. So this now corroborates. It almost solidifies my position when it comes to leasing. I couldn't believe that Cadillac, uh, or GM for that matter, was not prepared to sell me the vehicle even though the customer had already chosen to buy another product. So when you are leasing the vehicle, it is very important that you ask your leasing company, in this case, the manufacturer captive finance, to whether they can trade in the vehicle somewhere else, because if they don't allow you to do so, folks, you may be getting yourself into a, 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 a scenario of handcuffs. You're not allowed to buy anything else unless they allow you to. Essentially, they remove the ability to have a choice. And if you have listened to my show over the last few weeks, I seem to have a big problem with my ability to not have a choice. So when you are leasing a vehicle, if that's what you're choosing to do, you have to be very careful now. Whenever you have a vehicle at the end of a lease and you have some positive equity and the vehicle that you're trading that car uh, and the dealership that you're trading that vehicle in, it's not the same brand. When we buy that car, we are also buying the liability of any excess damage, wear and tear that you may have on that car. So not only they're not allowing you to trade in a vehicle and make some money in the exchange, but also they will charge you money for the excess wear and tear that you may have on the vehicle that you are returning. So this may cost you thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars and you don't even know. So that is my public service announcement. If you are not allowed to trade in that vehicle to any other brand at the end of your lease on your at will, you may not want to get into a lease contract because you will be coerced into buying another one of their cars and that is not a desirable thing. Okay, that is my public service announcement. Um, today, we're going to take a small break because I want to give my next guest a big segment of the show. Today, I have with me uh, what, in my opinion, is the absolute best and top employment lawyer in the country. Uh, not only I have dealt with him professionally, but I have dealt with him personally because he's a good friend of mine. And uh, Leo Sanfiero is going to join the show on the other side of the break. It's, and he's going to talk to us about this, this ambiguity that we have when it comes to vaccines, the enforcement of the vaccines, and what the rights and obligations uh, that we have at the workplace. 
So this is a very important show from a legal standpoint. Listen, I don't care about your feelings. Whatever your feelings are towards this, do not have any relevance in the legality of this issue. So the show is brought to you by Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity, home of the no commission salespeople. We're going to take a small break and we are going to be talking to Leo Sanfiero on the other side of the break. Folks, you need to pay attention. This is important. We'll be right back. Oh, no, and we're back. If you're just tuning in, folks, you're listening to the Greg Carrasco Show, the head of Slacker Nation here every Saturday morning. And we are here just to discuss things. The only advice that I hope you take from me is car advice. Everything else, I don't know what I'm talking about. So that's why from time to time I will have important people, I will have smart people in the show that will help me shed. I said shed on my um, Instagram video, not something else that you guys said. To shed some light in a pretty uh, tumultuous, in a pretty uh, murky uh, situation that we have going on here in the province of Ontario. And it's mostly because nobody can make up their goddamn mind. At some point, somebody is going to have to make a decision and we're going to have to have a clear direction so we can actually make up our mind on where we stand on the issue. Um, today with us, we have what in my opinion is not only the handsomest, but the absolute best employment lawyer in the country. Lior, thank you for joining the Carrasco Show, man. How are you? I'm doing great. I, I love the handsomest. Make sure you tell my wife you believe that as well. <laughs> she also believed that, I'm sure. That's the only reason why she's there, man. Come on. If you don't think that your man is handsome, what are you doing? That, that becomes a, <laughs> an even bigger problem. Uh, you must be busy, Leo. How are you? I'm doing great, uh, uh, Greg. And you know what? Before I even get started, you, you said some nice things about me, but I, I, I wouldn't be fair if I didn't tell the listeners what I think about my experiences with you. I've known you for years, and you've helped me a number of times, me and my family and my friends with various car buying, and you actually do what you preach, and you're a fair, honest guy. You, you've helped me uh, be educated on car buying. So, man, I, I think you're amazing, and it's a pleasure to be with you. And, sure, it is a busy time right now. You know, if, if we're going to be on, on the segment for a half hour, I'm going to have about 30 emails and questions from people asking me about vaccines, vaccines in the workplace, their rights. So it's a topic that's an important one right now. We're in somewhat of an uncharted territory. So hopefully I can help shed some light on this issue and at least make people, employees and employers, understand rights and obligations. I, I, I think it's very, very important, Leo, that um, uh, people know where to find you outside of the show because uh, you not only have helped me professionally, but uh, uh, you, you, you help thousands of people across the country because you have expanded now. You are just about everywhere. Uh, where can people find you if they need to talk to you in relation to this or in relation to any other labor matter? Where can they find you? So to, to contact me or even just to learn a lot more about legal rights, employment rights, best place to go to is employmentlawyer.ca. Again, employmentlawyer.ca. It's your portal for anything employment. Well, without any, any further delay, uh, we, I'm going to just jump right into this. And uh, I'm going to start asking you a bunch of questions. And I hope that I don't cross the line on this because last show we had a pretty intense session on, on discrepancies. We had some arguments on this. And uh, 
you know, because this show doesn't particularly care about feelings, and I've made that very clear to people, uh, we are going to talk about the legality of what's happening out there in relation to workplace and vaccines. So the first question that I have for you, Leo, is this. In Ontario, has the Ford government implemented mandatory vaccines The interesting thing is, you know, the Ford government had came up with the policy calling it uh, the mandatory vaccine policy. So if you just read that headline, it's easy to think, yeah, the Ford government has implemented mandatory vaccines. But no, they've implemented for some businesses a mandatory vaccine policy. What's, what's mandatory is having a policy not to have a vaccine. So the bottom line is, here's what the Ford government has done. For certain industries, specifically in the healthcare industry, hospital, long-term care, they've created a mandate that says that you have to get vaccinated, but if you don't get vaccinated, for whatever reason, you would have to undergo weekly COVID tests. So the bottom line is, here, as we speak right now, in Ontario, the Ontario government has not implemented mandatory vaccines. There is no rule, law, or mandate in, the, in this province that requires an employer to have only vaccinated employees. Now, that could change tomorrow. We know things change fairly quickly in this crazy world we're living in. But as we speak, that is the rule. And unfortunately or fortunately, depending on your perspective, uh, some employers have decided to take things into their own hands, and that's where they, they potentially can get into some trouble. That's a very, very interesting point, folks. So just if you're just tuning in, folks, we have Leo Sanferro here, uh, which in my opinion is the top employment lawyer in the country. And uh, he just uh, shared with us that it is not mandatory in the province of Ontario for you to be vaccinated to be at a workplace. So now, you know, it begs the question, can your employer let you go if you have not been vaccinated? So a lot of employers have heard what the government of Ontario have has said, which, as I said a moment ago, is no, it's not mandatory right now to have a vaccine. And I said, well, we don't care. We're going to implement it itself, ourselves and require employees to be vaccinated or else. And many have gone as far, including some some large hospitals, to say that if you're not vaccinated, we're going to fire you and we're going to fire you for cause meaning you're not going to get any compensation or any severance. So, of course, the question becomes, is this legal? So, arguably, that is not legal. Arguably, whether it's a hospital, whether it's a manufacturing facility, you name it, to threaten someone with a termination, to impose a rule that says you have to be vaccinated or else, may on its face be considered discriminatory, a violation of the Ontario Human Rights Code. So an employer that does that may actually have legal liability. Now, this is not about what I think about vaccines or what you think about vaccines. Mm -hmm. It's simply the law. Some employers may not care about that, but there is liability, uh, and employers should certainly take that seriously. So this falls under the human rights uh, code? Correct. Yes, we have certain rights uh, and and. A vaccine policy, a mandatory vaccine policy, could be potentially a breach of a number of aspects of the Human Rights Code, including uh, the aspects that prevent someone from not being discriminated against based on a perceived disability, religious grounds, medical grounds. So there's a number of reasons and ways in which a mandatory vaccine rule that an employer imposes 
would actually violate that code. Now, Greg, this would be very different if the mm-hmm. government came in and said, we've decided you have to have people that are only vaccinated and you're not allowed to have those that are not vaccinated. At that point, an employer has to follow the government rules. There's really no choice in the matter. So that would make a policy like that legal. But in the absence of a government mandate, and right now, Greg, we do not have a government mandate, uh, an employer that imposes mandatory vaccine and, and terminates those that are not vaccinated may well be on the wrong side of the law. So wouldn't an employer be exposing themselves to a huge liability if they take matters in their own hands? Yeah, they are. And a lot of employers may look at it in one of several ways. They may say either we don't care and that we believe, right or wrong, that trying to protect our employees is more important than the legal liability that we're incurring. Other employers may believe that, well, we're doing this and we don't think anyone is going to challenge us or, or, you know, challenge us in court or take legal action. Uh, other employee, employers simply may, may disagree that that's the state of the law. But for, for many of those reasons, I have seen more employers every day implementing those policies. So you may well, if you're an employee right now, be working at, a, at a, an employer that has told you, you know, by Tuesday, by whatever the date is, you have to be vaccinated or else. Keeping in mind, though, that despite this rule, it may not be legal to do so. That is fascinating. So, again, following up with this question here, can, can your employer even ask you if you've been vaccinated? So, in Ontario, you have a, a legislation, a statute called the Occupational Health and Safety Act. And that mm-hmm. does many things and requires the employer to keep the workplace safe and a number of things as well. But one of the things it does is it specifically states that an employer is not allowed to ask for medical information. And it goes beyond that and says that an employer that that tries to get that under threats is is guilty of what we call a reprisal. It's In other words, it's an illegal transaction. And an employee, for example, that gets fired because they don't give their medical information, not only could get damages, could even get reinstated back to work. So as the law stands right now, and unless and until the government changes that, and I don't think they will, an employer cannot demand, cannot require that you tell them your vaccination status. Again, this is not an opinion. This is not whether vaccines are good or bad. This is simply the law here in Ontario. So on that basis, can your employer demand that you have regular COVID tests if you are not vaccinated? Because legally, they they can't even ask you if you're vaccinated or not. Can they demand that you provide proof that uh, that you have undergone a a COVID test on a weekly basis. So, you know, if, if you, were, you were asking me this question pre-COVID, in a pre-COVID world, and you were asking me, can an employer demand that you have these regular medical tests, I would immediately, without any hesitation, tell you absolutely not. Now, in, in this pandemic world that we have, where, you know, unfortunately millions of people, my gosh, have been affected and have passed away because of this virus, and employers are going to have more leeway in terms of COVID tests, requiring COVID tests. So the bottom line is that even though an employer cannot demand that you tell them whether you've been vaccinated or not, what an employer could potentially do is say, sure, employee, you do not have to tell us. But for those employees that don't tell us, which is fine, there's no penalty. We're not going to fire you. We're not going to put you on a leave. 
but we're going to require either those that have been unvaccinated or those where we don't know their vaccination status to provide us regular COVID tests, negative tests, you know, whether it's weekly or biweekly. That is something that even though may well be some infringement on people's rights, it will be the type of an infringement that would be legal in this situation. So not to go as far as undergoing and requiring a vaccine, but to require COVID tests for those that either have not been vaccinated or where we don't know if they've been vaccinated, that is something an employer can do. And it also, by the way, would be in line with the mandate that the government of Ontario has imposed for people in the healthcare industry. So what happened if I have an employee that, uh, you know, I'm not going to ask whether they've been vaccinated. Uh, it doesn't matter to me from a legality standpoint. And uh, because we believe that we, we need to provide a safe environment, we ask people to have regular uh, COVID tests and they refuse to have co a, a COVID test that is available to the employer. What happens then? So, yeah, and I've certainly spoken with people that, have chosen not to be vaccinated and also don't want to undergo a regular COVID test. So I think those people are going to be in a difficult situation in that if an employer decides to let them go in that situation, uh, that termination would not be an illegal one. So putting it differently, you could let people go legally if they choose not to have regular COVID tests. Now, that said, and, and many employers are going to be surprised by this, even in this situation, Greg, where you are letting someone go because they're not having regular COVID tests, you're mm -hmm. still going to have to pay them severance. And that's not a small bill. That could be as much as two years' pay, depending on how long someone has worked for you. The only time you can let someone go without severance mm -hmm. is if they're refusing to comply, not with your rule as the employer, they're refusing to comply with the government mandate. In that ah. situation you really don't have a choice in the matter, and you'd be able to let the employee go without severance. But what I want employees to remember is if there is no government mandate, if you lose your job, whether it's because you're not vaccinated, because you're not undergoing COVID tests, whatever the situation is, yes, you're going to be owed severance, and you'd be surprised. Many people are often surprised by how much, by how much severance they're actually owed. That's, that's fascinating to me. And, you know, I need to ask you a question that is not part of, you know, my original set of questions that I had here for you, but this just came up. As an employer, can I force people to wear masks inside the, you know, my company? Yes, you can. For, first of all, right now, you actually have no choice. But even if the government of Ontario says masking is no longer mandatory, uh, it's still up to you as a business owner to decide whether you're going to have employees wear masks. It's perfectly legal to do that, keeping in mind that if there is no government mandate and you have an employee that from, from a medical uh, reason, for a medical reason, cannot wear a mask, maybe it's asthma, whatever it is, as long as it's backed up by a doctor, then it, you'd have to find a way to accommodate that person if possible. But short of that, you can decide, for example, from now forever to say, even if there's no COVID, I'm going to have my employees on my property wear, wear masks. That is absolutely fine as long, again, as you accommodate those that cannot do so for medical reasons. That's, that's very interesting. Now, can I deny doing business with a customer that comes in without a mask? Yes, that, that you can, uh, absolutely. So 
a lot of businesses are, are now going to, you know, restaurants, et cetera, saying, if you want to come in, you have to show proof of vaccination. That's offside. That is definitely offside and illegal, arguably discriminatory, not something an employer can do. But with respect to masks, yes, uh, because it's a fairly minimal intrusion on the person, regardless of what government rules are about masking. At some point, hopefully, government's going to say masking is not required anymore. Despite that, mm-hmm. you can, as a private business, as private property, choose to only let those masks into your business. Uh, you may have some unhappy people, uh, but from a legal standpoint, you absolutely can do that. So let's say that uh, at some point the government decides to take a hard line on this. And let's say what happens if the Ontario government does end up imposing mandatory vaccines? What then? So the, I think it's not inconceivable as we go into a fourth wave, depending on how that goes, that you may see the government choosing to take a harder, harder approach, harder line. And then they may impose mandatory vaccines either for the, the entire workforce or more likely for certain sectors, you know, healthcare, maybe education. If you are working for a business where there's a government mandate requiring you to vaccinate, if there is, at that point, if you do not get vaccinated, your employer actually doesn't have a choice here. They have to let you go. They may not care if you've been vaccinated, but their hands are tied because the government is telling them to operate, you have to have employees that are vaccinated. So if there's a mandate and you don't follow the mandate as an employee, you will lose your job without any compensation, but it gets even worse than that. Not only do you lose your job, that's bad enough. Not only do you not get severance, again, pretty bad. You also wouldn't qualify for any government benefits like EI, that's bad. And think about it in that situation, you're not going to get reemployed either. So that is financial ruin for many individuals if they don't get vaccinated. But again, that is only an if there is a government mandate, which as we speak right now, Greg, there isn't. Wouldn't that infringe, infringe severely on the Human Rights Code of Canada? Well, if a government imposes a mandate like that, it could well infringe on human rights. It could even potentially be a violation of charter rights. But yeah. here's the problem. The problem is not does it do that. The problem is what can an individual do about it? An individual can take legal action against the government and challenge the government action based on charter rights. But that's a, honestly, Greg, it's a five-year process. So that's not going to help you if you're let go next week, if you can challenge mm-hmm. and five years later be successful. You still have to live and earn an income to support your family. So as a practical matter, not a legal matter, a practical matter, you're not going to be able to do much if there's a government mandate. I think governments understand that, certainly the Ontario government. So there is that hesitancy to impose such a wide mandate because we don't want people losing their job, not having money, having to, you know, lose everything they have. So I'm, I, I, I hope that there's a, a way to do that where people are not going to be in that difficult financial situation, but that is certainly a possibility. You know, it's, it's, it's interesting because after last week's show, I had a countless number of nurses, firefighters, police officers, that uh, have reached out to me privately and said that they, the government is or, or their unit is threatening them that if they're not vaccinated by 
uh, I, th I believe it's October 30th, that they will be, they will be terminated. So I, I guess the question is a simple one. Bottom line, what should someone do, whether it, they are in the public sector or the private sector? What would someone do if they are faced with an ultimatum at work that you either get vaccinated or else? What do they do? So let's start with those that are in the public sector because many of them are unionized employees. Many mm -hmm. of them are covered by a union. You know, we're talking police, firefighters, you name it. So the problem, I guess I'm, I'm going to say problem in quotations here, is that if you're a unionized employee, the only one that can advocate for your rights is the union. You cannot do anything. I cannot do anything. It has to be the union. Because in a unionized environment, you, the employee don't actually have the rights. It's the union that has the rights. So mm -hmm. if a union decides, you know, we're on an, from an ideological standpoint, whatever you want to call it, we support mandatory vaccines, regardless of the potential legalities of it. So the union is not going to support you. You're, you're really out of options because it has to be the union that supports you and, and advances it and challenges an employer's decision. There's ways that unions can do that quite efficiently, but they have to want to do that. Now, in, in Ontario, some of the unions have said we're not going to do that. Other unions, for example, the TTC union has said, no, mm -hmm. no, we're going to challenge any mandate that the TTC puts in place for mandatory vaccines. So it does vary from union to union. But you, your, your hands are tied. You have to see what your union does, and if they support you or if they don't, that's going to be the answer. That's a very difficult thing for, I think, a lot of people to, to understand, that you can't do anything unless your union supports you. For non-unionized employees, if you are facing mandatory vaccine policies, if you're threatened to lose your job or if you lose your job, the reality is you can't physically prevent your employer from letting you go. All you could do is deal with the consequences of that, which normally comes down to damages. So an employee may be owed damages if they lose their job because they're not vaccinated, whether it's severance or human rights damages. So if you are in that situation, you have to seek legal advice. Now, I always think it's a good idea to have a conversation with your employer and, and discuss what kind of accommodation could happen. Can we agree on regular testing? Can we agree that I'm gonna work remotely? Uh, mm -hmm. And a lot of employers may well be willing to work with you on that basis, but if they drew the line in the sand and saying, you're vaccinated by October 1st or you're out of here, you're not going to be able to change that. You will lose your job if you're not vaccinated. But we can deal but with the consequences illegal. and damages that arise from that afterwards. So in, this is a very, very interesting conversation, Leo, here. Because, uh, I, I, like you said earlier in the show, there was a lot of employers that are taking matters into their own hands, and without any legal advice, they are exposing themselves to a tremendous legal and financial liability for forcing mandates that are not being, um, that are not government policies yet. What would you advise employers to do at this difficult times, because the, the reality is that there is a lot of confusion out there, Leo, and uh, there, there are no clear guidelines that anyone is providing as to what to do and how to embrace this. And there are, it seems to be there are two very definite sides here. So what would you advise an, em an employer to do at this particular juncture? So my advice to employers is going to come based on the law, not based on my views of vaccines, uh, whether I think they're amazing or not amazing. 
irrelevant. Again, so let's talk about the law. So my advice is always going to be follow the law. And in this case, follow the law means follow government mandates. And if the government mandate is such that there's no mandate to let people go if they're not been vaccinated, then an employer that implements such a policy is offside the law. So I would impose potentially regular COVID tests. I would deal with that or maybe have employees where that's feasible, work remotely. But I would not recommend, again, from a legal standpoint, not a, a political or, or ethical or moral standpoint, I would not impose mandatory vaccines with the threat of termination. I would not do that at all. Now, of course, if you are in an industry, if and when there is a government mandate, then my advice absolutely is follow that mandate. You have no choice. And if you, you say, I don't, I'm not going to do that despite what the government says, well, government can shut you down. You, you may have to pay massive fines. Not a good a situation to be in. So follow the law, follow government mandates, and don't take the law into your own hands because that exposure could be very significant just on the severance front alone and potentially other damages as well. That... Um again that is that is fascinating and uh, folks if you uh, if you have missed the the, uh, the 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 first part of this discussion here with Lior uh like i said before in my opinion he's a top employment lawyer in the country and uh, i deal with him professionally he represents me but also uh, you know, he's a good friend of mine. You may want to go into the podcast, download the podcast and listen to the content of the show, because what we are addressing right now is not feelings. This is this is the liability. So we have a caller here with a question, Ben. Uh, who do we have on the line? So nobody's on the line, but they did want to bring it up. Um, there's the genetic non-disclosure law or just genetic non-disclosure agreement. Um, the caller just wanted to know if this if this has any relevance in in the, the conversation that we've been having as a whole, Lior. Yeah, and I've been asked that before. It, it doesn't. That, that applies in other situations where you have to reveal all kinds of personal genetic information, and, and that can't be done without consent. It doesn't really come into play here, but re the reality is it doesn't need to because we have other laws, as I mentioned, whether it's uh, human rights laws, whether it's the Occupational Health and Safety Act, that address this situation. So those are the ones that apply here and, and protect potentially employees. Uh, and that's frankly sufficient at this point. Um, Leo, I know that uh, you have to go to your own show this morning. And uh, I, I want to thank you on behalf of the entire Slacker Nation, which is tens of <laughs> thousands of people that listen to the show every Saturday morning here. And uh, if you can please provide your information. And if people find themselves in this sticky situation of work and employers that want to seek your advice uh, and for you to represent them as well, uh, where can people find you? Happy to chat with anyone that has questions. I know this is an important topic for employers and employees. I always advocate you have to stay on the right side of the law. So if you want to chat about that, happy to talk. Easy place to go to is employmentlawyer.ca. Get all the contact information there. A lot of articles, information, and tools you can use. So check it out. Lior, I love you. You're an awesome man. And uh, I, I certainly hope that you're going to be back here on the show discussing this as the, as the election progresses and also as the, the law changes, because I do see some uh, legislation being changed over the next few days. But uh, thank you so much for being on the show, Lior. And I, I really hope to talk to you very soon. All the best, Greg. Thank you very much. Thank you.
uh, folks, this is a, that was a very, very big eye-opener section of the Carrasco Show here on Saturday morning. And uh, we're going to take a very, very small break and uh, thank our sponsors, Oakville Nissan, Oakville Infinity, home of the no-commission salespeople. Before you buy anything anywhere, you need to make it down to Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity. We will look after you. So let's take a small break and we'll be right back. And we're back. If you are just tuning in, folks, you are listening to the Greg Carrasco Show. This is the hub of Slacker Nation. Every Saturday morning, 8 to 11 a.m., we discuss ideas. We discuss life. And uh, if you want to listen to us on your own time, you can always download the podcast. You can go to Google Cast. You can go to Apple Podcasts and just click subscribe. You're going to get the podcast as, as soon as we upload it. In last segment, the last interview that we had is something so, so important. And it's simply because the law doesn't care about your feelings. Whether you're an employee or an employer, the law doesn't care about your feelings. The law doesn't care about what you feel towards the vaccine or vaccinations or the passports or anything else. The law is blind. The hammer of justice will strike without any sort of biases. That's the whole idea behind it. And I think that if you're not fully informed of what your rights and obligations are, what the law says in relation to vaccines and testings and questions of the workplace, it is crucial that you go to Apple Podcasts and you subscribe to the podcast. And as soon as this episode gets downloaded or uploaded, rather, you can just click subscribe and boom, there we are for you. Now, Leo is what, in my opinion, is the top employment lawyer in the country. And he's also a personal friend of mine. And he also represents me. So there is a lot of clout that Leo comes with when I bring him onto the show. Because I trust his judgment. He represents me. He represents my company. He has represented me legally. So once you put your fate in, in the hands of a lawyer, uh, you have to understand his mindset, and I, I do believe that the last segment of the show is, is crucial. You Folks, the, the new negotiation is information, <laughs> and it, it, it's the exact same thing when it comes to life. The better informed you become, make up your own mind, shut the media off, do your own readings, learn, educate yourself. You should be aware of what your rights are out there for everyone. So this way, you don't have to argue with anyone. You know, this is what the law says. You're breaking the law. End of story. That's all there is to it. Now, because I believe so deeply on this show's ability to change your mind, on the other side of the hour, we're going to have my personal financial advisor. This dude has changed my life. And he comes here every other week to talk to you about how to generate wealth, how to become independently wealthy, how to stop the rat race and put an end to the nonsense, how to make your money work for you when you are asleep. He's an expert at this. Folks, do not forget that the expert advice that I bring to you from law, from real estate, from finances, is the same expert advice that I can give you when it comes to your automotive decisions. And for that, 
You can come and see me at Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity. We are the home of the no commission salespeople. And this show is always brought to you by wherever I happen to be resting my head because I have no life. I live at this place. Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity. We're going to take a small break and Money Mike is going to be on the other side of the hour. Stay tuned, folks. He's got some crazy information that is going to help you build a little, you know, nesting. Talk to break. I've been a rich man and I have been a poor man and I choose rich every time. Yeah! Uh-huh, uh yeah. And Money Mike is in the house. Money Mike is in the house. There are very few people in in the world that uh, when I see them, they bring me peace. Money Mike brings me peace. Because he's the only one that uh, knows so much intimate details about my finances that he can give me a figurative slap on the side of the head and say, Greg, what you doing, man? What you do? Money Mike, thank you for coming back, man. How are you? I'm good, although the world's coming to an end. It's, uh... Oh, sorry, I'm supposed to bring you peace. Bring, bring you peace. Yeah, everything's great. Everything's great. <laughs> Gotta keep you guessing. I don't understand anything anymore. I don't understand anything anymore. Left is right, right is left, up is down, down is up. What is happening here? But, <laughs> you know, I, I understand that you were on vacation again last week. What What is this life that you uh, lead, man? When I grow again. up, I want to be just like you. Oh, my God. Again, yes. For the second week of the year, I was on vacation. Uh, but this this one was a staycation. There there is a honeydew list of things that need doing around the house that I have been ignoring for uh, for many weeks and months. Yes, Andrea, to answer your question, your Christmas gift is almost done. Sheesh. <laughs> <sighs> oh man, you know I uh, I've, I've been very fortunate because um, uh, some may say that I I'm a bit of a workaholic. I don't. Uh, I always cash out my, my vacation weeks at the end of the year. I just don't take vacations. I feel guilty. Uh, I am so paranoid about not being good enough or not doing a good enough job that I feel like I, I'm, my job is always in danger. So I spend way too much time at the office. And uh, But I, I have made the conscious decision that this year I was going to take a few days off. And um, my youngest son, Alex, um, was um, nice enough to decide that uh, spending quite a few days with his old man was an actual good idea. So... Uh, he came and stayed with me since last Thursday until this Monday, which is, you know, it was the highlight of my summer. Um, and, you know, it was, it's, it's good sometimes, you know, you, you add a little spring to your step when you yeah. take a few, uh, a few days to just step back and, uh, uh, and actually be present. Uh, did you, did you feel that whenever you take a couple of days off? You have to. You have to. You you can't do the same thing over and over again every day without getting in your head, getting too microscopically focused, and uh, sometimes missing the big picture. So you got to step back every now and then, and like you said, be present, take a deep breath, um, 
focus on what's important to you and, uh, and recharge so that you can do your job more effectively. You know, over the last uh, couple of weeks, there's been a, an actual uh, immature thought. When I say immature uh, thought, not because of age or immaturity, I'm talking, the thought is not fully thought out yet. And um, this goes as a bit of a contradiction of what you always teach here on the show. And um, I'm, I'm actually being serious right now. But the, the, the thought is, is the whole concept of the now, you know, what is life? Uh, you know, I, I do believe that there is no future because future is a figma of our imagination. It's, it's, it's an improbable potential, you know, uh, existence that we may have. And the past is already gone. It's just, you know, you live either in happiness or regret, but there's not a single thing you can do about it. So, you know, I believe that no wiser phrase has ever been said that all we have is right now. This is it. This is life. And when, when you come on the show, you, you're always talking to us about addressing a, a future version of ourselves. And in, in what I can say in relation to this, uh, Mike, is that because I have gotten involved with you, you have taken the brunt, the heavy weight, the heavy lifting of what's going to happen to me in the future. And it has allowed me to have choices today which is so important and people don't pay enough attention to this. You know, I, I think that for the first time at the tender age of 49, I am understanding that, that I need to be where I am at, that if I don't do today right, there won't be tomorrow, there won't be 20 years from now, or at least the version of it that I want to see. Um, you know, before I ask you a couple of questions, because there's a bunch of questions here that I have for you, is that uh, I'll share with the audience. Um, Money Mike is my personal financial advisor. He's a behavioral advisor. Uh, he will not take you as a client if he doesn't feel that you're a good match, regardless of how much money you have. But he specializes on high net worth people that need some guidance. Just because you have the ability to generate money, to earn money, doesn't mean that you have the ability to manage it and to keep it. So if you want to reach Money Mike, you can uh, reach out to him at moneymike.ca. I repeat that, moneymike.ca, or you can call him after the show at 905-320-6762. I repeat that, 905-320-6762, and he is the only person that I allow to touch my money. So, you know, in, in gearing up for the show this week, uh, there was a bunch of questions, and I got a lot of compliments, Mike about the whole principle of leverage. That show that, mm. that we talked about a couple of weeks ago, it seemed to have resonated quite a bit with, with the listenership. So I got a few emails from friends saying, you know, that was a really good show. And, and even, even from people that I would never think that listened to me. <laughs> no, I never feel that I'm good enough. So, but uh, lots of compliments on that. Compliments to you. And folks, if you, um, you want to listen to this leverage show that we had, you can always subscribe to the podcast. Um, but today I have a question for you. Okay. And this is in relation to RRSPs. Is it possible to have too much money in RSPs? Talk to me, money. Money Mike. Okay. Is it possible to have too much? I mean, for the vast majority of people, I'm going to say no. Um, you know, there's, there are some people who feel, you know, it, it costs me too much money to get my money out of my RSPs. It costs too much in tax. I have too much. And, and I will ask them, well, how much do you have in RSPs? And they'll say, I've got $700,000 in RSPs. You know, I'm, I'm nearly retired. Um, and I think, okay, well, that's, that's a large number, but why do you say you have too much? 
And of course, they just they talk about the tax, what it costs to, to get at it. And I look at it from a different perspective. The, the sort of common wisdom in the industry is the 4% rule. You should live off 4% of the lump sum that you have saved. So in regards to someone who has $700,000, that means they should be living off you know, twenty eight dollars or $30,000 a year. Does that sound like too much income? Probably not. Mm -hmm. Probably not. So if that's not too much income, then how can the lump sum that creates it be too much? So, you know, in that case, no, that person doesn't have too much. Now, I have met people who have one and a half, two million dollars in RSPs. Again, relative to your lifestyle and the 4% rule, is that too much money? Very few people, I would say it is, <clears throat> but there are some who have accumulated more money in their RSPs then they're going to need to supply their lifestyle. They're, you know, they were really good savers and investors and they just accumulated a ton of money, but they live modestly. So, mm -hmm. you know, it, it all comes back to creating a plan. And, you know, I, I know I have, this is beating a dead horse here. Um, I have talked at length, at nauseum, about the importance of having a plan. But mm -hmm. when you have that financial plan and it says, here's how I plan on living, here's what that's going to cost, and then you look at the inputs, you look at the, the pensions and the savings, there are times when we've done that evaluation and said, you know what, you need to have X saved for retirement and you have 2X. Huh. Obviously an enviable position, right? You've got more money than what your lifestyle needs. Well, I think that uh, often people confuse the, the the actual real power the money and savings will give you. And, and for me, I can define it on one word, which is choice. It gives you the ability to choose the kind of life yes. that you want to lead. Now, but let's say that you are one of those people that are really good savers, that have done really good decisions, and you live modestly even into your retirement, and you will never be able to spend whatever you have saved based on the lifestyle that you have. What would you recommend for them to do with those excess RSPs? Because they, they may never be able to use them. Well, so, so it is interesting because, you know, we, I've had that very conversation with a, a couple recently. And, you know, after building their plan, again, we figured out you need to have X amount, like all of their their investing that they'd done was in RSPs, which I don't mm -hmm. recommend. I think you need to have some balance, some money that's available outside of RSPs, but they had everything inside. And so we built their plan and we said, you need to have X for retirement and you've got more than that. And in fact, I think in their case, even with a healthy buffer, they still had 250,000 more in their RSPs than they needed to support their lifestyle. So, you know, you, you mentioned we had a great show a couple of weeks ago talking about leverage. Well, there is a leverage strategy that can help solve the RSP over-contribution issue. <clears throat> okay. I shouldn't say over-contribution. That's a, that's a different issue. Having too much money in your RSP is more than what you need. So it, it, it goes something like this. You've got 250000 more in your RSPs than you need. So one of the things I, I saw a client do a long time ago is they took out an investment loan for $250,000. Okay. They leveraged it. At 4% interest only, that loan would cost them 10000 a year. 
So they said, okay, I'm going to take 10000 a year out of my RSPs to pay for it. I've got this 250000 in RSPs I'm not going to use. I'm going to take the mm -hmm. 10000 a year out of there. The 10000 coming out of the RSPs is taxable. But because they're only paying interest on the investment loan, the 10000 a year payment on the investment loan is tax deductible. It's taxable. Yeah. Tax deductible. So they so offset it was a each wash. other. It was a wash. So now the 250000 that they invested outside of RSPs is allowed to grow. The 250000 in RSPs is slowly being drained down. Now, I mean, we're only pulling out 4% a year. The way they had it invested, the RSPs were still going to grow. We've just stunted the growth. But now they're going to get growth in a more tax-advantaged vehicle outside of of the RSP environment. And some people can get more aggressive and draw the RSP down faster with a larger, a larger investment loan. But I don't necessarily think it's, it's uh, important. The, the important thing is they're, they're addressing the fact that they've got more in there than they're going to need. And here's one way where we can move that money out in a tax-advantaged way. Are there, are there so, any other strategies like that that you can recommend uh, listeners to do when, when they have an over-allowance or uh, yeah, when they have an excess of RSPs that they will never be able to remove or withdraw without having a huge impact from a taxation standpoint? Well, there are. Um, you know, there's a, everybody's situation is different. And, and so, you know, the important thing to start with is understanding that, yes, although this is not going to apply to the vast majority of people, it is possible to have too much money in RSPs. If you've maximized your RSP room every year of your working life all the way until retirement and you've invested wisely, chances are it could grow to be more than what you could possibly need. Like, remember, RSP contribution room is 18% of your annual income. So if you've been maximizing that your whole life, you've done a really good job of accumulating wealth. And so this is... I, in my mind, anyway, this is one of the things that points to the importance of having a financial plan. Because if if we're having a conversation about, do I have too much in RSPs? How do you know? How do, how do you know yeah. how much is too much? Well, that right. there is where the, uh, the 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 advice and the guidance of a behavioral financial advisor would come in handy. Now, I don't I don't mean to hijack the show on this. But uh, last yep. time that you were on the show, you were talking about a very specific uh, leverage strategy that um, that I, I want to inject into this because I, I've, I've been asked so many times over the week, can, can you repeat this and what you were talking about? You, you, you mentioned that uh, if at any given point you have your house is paid off and then you borrow against that house to invest. Like, you know, I go to you, Mike, and say, look, my house is worth a million dollars, but I want to invest this money and make it tax deductible, so I'm, I'm gonna borrow this money from you against my house. There was a specific name for this strategy. You said that it was fought in court and the, and the guy won. Do you remember this? Oh, the Smith, the Smith Maneuver, yeah. Yes. Yeah, so, yes. So you had a specific question about it? No, I, I, I want the listeners to, to, to hear this because there's a lot of people uh, who their home is the biggest in only financial asset that they may have. So even though you may not have any additional savings, even though you may not be contributing in any other way, shape or form, you can still use the principal leverage and your house with a relatively right. safe 
um, vehicle for them to invest. And I think that a lot of people don't know that this is even available. Yeah, so the the Smith, so I'll go through it again. I'll go through it again. Yeah. So the Smith maneuver, as we discussed it, was a case back, I believe it was 2002, where the tax deductibility of the interest, because when you borrow to invest, the interest is tax deductible. So for this one individual, uh, CRA did not allow the tax deduction for the interest. That's why mm-hmm. it had to be challenged in court and eventually... Uh, he won, and that's why the, the maneuver is called the Smith Maneuver, because that was his last name, Smith. Um, but essentially what it was is if you had a mortgage, and then you came into or you accumulated a bunch of money. So you inherited money, or you've saved up, and now you find out, hey, I've got the same, again, I'll use the round numbers, I've got the same $200,000 in my bank account because I inherited as I owe on my mortgage. I owe 200000 on my mortgage. What you can do is you can pay off the mortgage and then borrow the 200000 back and put it into investments. Now, essentially, you have the exact same mortgage payment. You're paying the same interest, but now the interest is tax deductible. So, you know, oftentimes I, I've come across that individual who said, I inherited this money. I want to invest it. And I say, oh, hang on. Good idea. But could we do a little bit better? How about we replace your mortgage, get rid of it? and then borrow the money to put back into the investment so now the interest is tax deductible. Same amount of money invested, same monthly mortgage payment, same interest being paid, but you just get to save on taxes every year as well. So That, that is fascinating, Mike. Now, would you advise the same strategy in relation to RSPs? You know, you have those monies, uh, you pay off your, uh, you know, you pay off your mortgage, and then you borrow against that mortgage that is free now. So the lien goes against the house. Mm-hmm. But instead of investing it, you put it in RSPs. Well, the, well, so you are investing it, but instead of investing in non-registered investments, you're saying in, yeah, you in put RSPs. it in registers. Yeah. Well, the only problem with that is the interest is no longer tax deductible. Oh, you it can't isn't. Right off the interest. No, no, it isn't. So you lose that advantage. Yes, you do get the big tax deduction. But, you know, again, if I look at that same scenario of I inherited $200,000 and I owe two hundred dollars on my mortgage, I'm not going to pay off my mortgage and necessarily drop 200000 into my RSPs. Now that becomes a question of can I use all of that tax deduction at once? Do I have the room to accept that larger contribution? And based on my income, how much should I actually be deducting every year? So it's, it's a much more difficult uh, thing to do all at once if you're looking at, at doing it into RSPs. Um, but, you know, again, I commented earlier in the show that, uh, you know, you shouldn't have all of your money in RSPs. Whether it's too much, not enough, uh, you need to have a sum of money that is lifestyle money. You know, you want to you wanna take that trip, Greg. That, uh, that big <laughs> no, I need to buy to some do. throwing knives. Remember? Throwing knives. No more throwing <laughs> knives. No more throwing <laughs> knives. No. But you say you want to take a, a, a big trip and it's going to cost you ten dollars or $20,000. You are not the envy of your neighborhood when I, when I tell you we've got to pull 35000 out of your RSPs to pay for that $20,000 trip because of the taxes. No, you need to have lifestyle money, non-registered money, tax-free savings accounts. The RSPs, that money should be there to pay the base bills, to cover your housing, your food, your transportation, your everyday expenses. Mm -hmm. When it comes to the fun money, 
when it comes to the big ticket, I need to buy a car and need to go on a trip. We need to have lifestyle money, and that's the non-registering TFSAs. So no, uh, don't, I'm not often suggesting big investment loans to put into RSPs. Okay, so you know now that we have that clear, we can we can move into more strategies. And now that we're getting into something more familiar to me, um, yeah. what about the the leverage strategy that is equivalent to buying a car to fund your retirement? Can you can you explain that again, and then we can you know speak yeah. about something that's very familiar to me? So you know you said to say it again because of course you know we've often said we should be filming ourselves when we're on commercials we should do a, a YouTube channel <laughs> of of us on our Zoom meetings for the entire show because it's the commercial breaks where a lot of the the juicy stuff comes out but we talked a little bit at off air in between segments uh, last time and so it's a a very simple strategy that we used to talk to young kids about and said you know you guys are all you know, 25 years old, you're getting into buying your first cars, thinking someday of buying a house. And there's a strategy that's the equivalent of a car loan that could actually fund your retirement. And it went something like this. What if you're 25 years old and you take out a $30,000 investment loan, like buying a $30,000 car, it's a car payment. Mm -hmm. Car payment you're going to pay off over, let's just say six years. And you take that $30,000 and you invest it. You're 25 years old. Well, six years later, you've paid off the loan. And mm -hmm. now you're, you're 31 years old. So guess what we should do? Let's do it again. Take out another 30000 like you're buying a car. You keep that car payment going. Pay it off over six years. Now you're 37. Loan's paid off. Let's do it again. So at 37, you borrow 30000 at 43, you do it. At 49, and you do it at 55. And at 55, you decide, you know what? Retirement's 10 years away. So that's four cars. This. Nope, nope. That's, uh, that's six cars. Six cars. 25, 31, 37, yeah. 43, 49, and 55. So you bought <clears throat> six cars over mm -hmm. the course of your lifetime. But the last 10 years, you say, I'm going to take this money and enjoy it. I'm, just gonna, I'm not going to do another one of these loans. I want my my car payment in my pocket every month so I can do some trips and enjoy myself. So you just let all of that money grow until age 65. Mm -hmm. At an 8% rate of return, you end up with $1.6 million. Ben, are you listening to this? This is insane, man. This is insane. And, and, and this is so available to you and to anyone listening to the show. And if you have kids listening to the show, you should probably just force you know what's the name of that movie um you know with the is it what is it the clockwork orange clockwork orange yeah so you know when you they open up your eyelids and they force yeah. feed you the tv message we should do the same with kids and make them listen to the podcast or listen to the show because being financially independent is so available to you that we often don't even think about the possibilities and it, it is amazing how quickly life goes by i yeah. Every single day, Mike, I look at myself in the mirror when I'm getting ready to go to the office and say, how did I get here? It's like, how quickly this actually went by. And when strategies, saving strategies like this ones are available to the general population, it, it, it always amazes me how few people are actually paying attention to this. So what I want to do, Mike, is that we're going to take a small break. And on the other side of the break, I, I want to... I want to discuss something that I, I hold very dear to me because, you know, you have a scenario in which getting a car loan is better than paying, uh, paying cash for a car is better than paying uh, a 
getting a loan for it. And I don't know if I agree with you on this one, so I, I need to duke it out with you folks. The show is brought to you by Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity, home of the no commission salespeople. And with us uh, on air right now, we have Muddy Mike, who is my personal financial advisor. If you have any questions for Mike, you can reach him at moneymike.ca or you can call him at 905-320-6762 after the show. Now, if you have a question that you want to make it on air, 416-870-1050 is the number. We'll be right back after the break. Slackers, we're back. Money Mike is in the house. These are all his anthems that we play here. <laughs> I love that song. Money, money, money. That's how it goes. Let's argue for a second, Mike. All right. You see, you say here that uh, how paying cash for a car can be better than borrowing for it. Stop it. Just stop it. Try to convince me. My yeah. mind is open, but my arguments are lined up. They're strong. So talk to yeah. me. Yeah. You know what? It, have you ever heard the phrase giving somebody a false sense of security? I've been setting you up for years, Greg. Setting you up for years. Letting you believe it's better to borrow than to pay cash for a car. Tell me why you think it's better to pay to, to, to borrow instead of paying cash. Um, is for me, it's very simple. I okay. um, uh, the car is the highest depreciating asset on the face of the planet. Um, what I can get return on my money is certainly greater than what I'm paying for the interest rate that's available to us these days. Now, if if I was paying interest of 13%, I would I would not be saying this. But when you have interest available to you that are below prime rates, um, the uh, I, I think that it, it makes no sense for somebody to pay cash, uh, taking it away from an investment that, you know, if they're investing with you, they're getting a substantial amount of return and um, taking taking money from their investments to pay for a depreciating asset. It, for me, it doesn't make sense. Okay. So now let me give you, the, and this is where the setup was, because I agreed with you before, just so you could feel secure in your opinion. So now I'm going to crush it. Oh, wow. Now I'm going to crush wow. it. So now I think you're ready to hear the, the real idea. We're on the same topic here. What you should do is you should pay cash for the car. What you should do is borrow the money back to invest. <laughs> okay. Now I, you get to the I, same I, scenario. You own the car, you have your money invested, but now you're writing off the interest on the loan. I'm now I'm confused. Explain that to me because you see, I know that I look brilliant. Okay. The okay. white beard gives me this air of uh, wisdom. The glasses makes me look like an intellectual, but uh, it, it looks are deceiving. So <laughs> I, I am riddled with confusion right now. So talk to me. What you were saying was you are far better to invest your money and borrow money to buy the car. And what I'm saying is you are better to take your money and buy the car and then borrow that money back and invest it. It's the same payment. You own the car. It's the same amount of money invested. The difference is now the car loan is a write-off because you borrowed to invest. It's like the Smith maneuver all over again. I understand that. You know, unfortunately, I can't argue with you. Because unlike Ben, uh, you know, I am an evidence-based thinker. I'm joking, Ben. I'm Ben. I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> I am. Um, I, I am. 
I am open to have my mind change, and I think that that's something Just very, put in very. Just two weeks' notice after that. <laughs> <laughs> I I think that um, I take a lot of pride in in the fact that when I hear uh, evidence that is so compelling, that if I use my logic in any way, or or if my sense of logic functions, because. People know what logic is, but their sense of logic often is malfunctioning. Yeah. Um, I I completely understand what you're saying. So I, I'm gonna. We're actually on the same page, but we're on yeah, the same page. As much as it we sounds are. like I'm, I'm saying you were wrong and I'm right, we're actually agreeing with each other. You're you're better not to put your money into the car. Let's let's. But if we can replace your money, if we're going to borrow money anyway, let's make it tax deductible. Yeah, but I mean, that, that is an actual uh, skillful maneuver. And I don't think that a lot of people have the financial... Uh, it, look, I don't, I don't mean to uh, talk down at anybody because there are many people that are super, super smart that can do all this stuff on their own. But uh, there are m- many people out there that don't have the, the, the backing that I have with you to make this sort of maneuvering of my money. Because if I have $30,000 um, laying around and... Uh, I am given the choice of paying cash for a car. I will always tell you no. You see, and I'm going to challenge you now. Okay. What I always tell people is don't take money out of your investments to pay for a car when you're getting 0%. What you were saying is that if you have money just sitting there in the bank, yeah. instead of buying a car, or instead of you know, borrowing at 0%, just pay you know, cash for the car and borrow the same amount of money. But I mean... How do you justify the fact that you can borrow the money for the car at 0% and you're going to borrow the money against yourself for 5.9 because that's what the bank will charge you. So how do you yeah. justify that exchange? No, when, you, you know, when you're talking 0% interest, it definitely muddies the water. I mean, keep in mind, uh, an investment loan isn't actually a car loan. So you're borrowing money at prime plus three quarters. But what's that today? About 3.2%? So it's not 5.9%. That's and if you're in the top tax bracket and you write that off, 3.2 actually costs you 1.6 because mm-hmm. of the tax deduction. So, yeah, 0% can muddy the water, but the importance is if you're going to borrow money and pay interest. I mean, you tell me, are there a lot of eighty and $100,000 cars being bought out there at 0% financing? No. 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 They're, they're definitely... No, they're definitely lower, lower priced cars. So if you're someone who's out there, and, and there are people out there, that's what they're doing. They're buying eighty thousand uh, dollar, you know, Range Rovers and hundred thousand dollar Teslas. Uh, if you're going to do that, you're not going to get zero percent. So now it makes it a very viable alternative. Alternative to say, let's do an investment loan instead of a car loan. Use that's use that's cash. fascinating stuff, folks. And, and you know, if, if this doesn't make sense to you, because it took me a couple of tries, uh, it took me a couple of lessons to understand what Mike is saying right now, and, and he is absolutely right. I still stand behind the fact that you should never pay cash for a car, um, if that's all you're doing. <laughs> right. But if you are, you know, if, if, if you're doing something else, there are better options for you available that uh, will help you generate some additional wealth and using this as a technicality for you to be able to write off interest that you shouldn't be paying. So that is a fascinating, you know, perspective that we have here. Now, you know, just going back to what we were talking about earlier in relation to the RSPs, business owners, yeah. how business owners shouldn't 
use RSPs? Because a lot of people that listen to my show, they, they're smart people, they've been able to amass a little bit of wealth, uh, or they're seniors uh, that own businesses. Now, how does that apply to business owners? Okay, actually, you know what, we're, we're going to talk about that in just a moment. I, I had another thought I wanted to share, you know, just on the whole car loan versus... Uh, do you remember, remember when you sold me that Acura 2.2 CL? Do you remember that How car? can I forget? How can I forget, man? That's when I finally met you. And, and can you tell the audience how you learned to drive manual transmission, please? <laughs> so at the time, I was, uh, I, I was in the market. Actually, I wasn't even in the market yet for a car. I felt I needed, I was going to need a new car soon. And you're like, you know, you should, have you ever looked at Acura? And I hadn't. This was 2000. I, yep. I hadn't looked at an Acura. And you said, you should come check this out. And you showed me the 2.2 CL. And it was beautiful, but it was it was a step. Primrose mist. That was the name of the color. Is that Primrose the color? mist. Yes. All right. It was it was gorgeous. It was the the nicest car I I had considered owning at that time. I mean, I was twenty whatever years old, and so <laughs> <laughs> obfuscate that. But um, yeah, so I. It was beautiful, but it's like, dude, I I can't drive a stick. I've never driven manual in my life, and you're like. Dude, this this deal is so. I mean, literally, it was going to cost something like six dollars a month more for that car than it was for my current car, and it was so much nicer. I was like, "How do I turn this down?" And you're like, "I will teach you to drive stick. Seriously, you can't pass up on this car." <laughs> and so I bought the car, not being able to drive it. So, but you got me there. You got me there. Didn't didn't take too long. You know, it's, it's amazing the number of people that are actually taught to drive manual transmission. Well, you know and what was that, really insane, it impressed the yeah. hell out of me, is you took me for a test drive in that car to show me how to drive stick, and you showed me how precise the Acura transmission was, and you shifted gears the entire drive without using the clutch. Don't say that out loud. You did! <laughs> And I was like, dude, how do you do that? I, I mean, you just, you knew the timing perfectly. Get it to the right RPMs and it shifts and it was beautiful. And I'm, all right, maybe this is decent. You knew what you were talking about. You know, about. It's, it's, it's interesting because I, I, I always fancy myself or I always tell people that I'm not a car person, but uh, I, I guess I have been exposed to cars so much that I've become desensitized to how much I love cars over the years. You know, you, yeah. you learn things. It's, it's fascinating. Just just well, with money to you, right? Well, but, so, uh, and, and this is the reason why I bring it up is because the, the car thing was, was relevant. Now, you may not remember this, but inside the owner's manual of that Acura was the original lease paperwork from the previous owner. I've I never bought a new car in my life. I just drive way too much. I've always bought used cars. So I open up the manual and there's the lease paper. The person who bought that car or leased it was mm -hmm. leasing it for sixteen hundred dollars a month. I think at the time, said, yeah, yeah, it was like a three-year lease where they were buying out the entire amount of the car over three years. I thought that mm -hmm. was insane. Sixteen hundred dollars, almost twenty thousand dollars a year, and just talking about you know, use take out the investment loan instead of the car loan. In today's interest rates, paying twenty thousand dollars a year, you know, I could pay interest only and borrow a half a million dollars a half a million dollar investment loan would cost me 20,000 a year interest only so guess what they could have pulled out a half a million dollars they could have bought the car for cash for 50 grand 
and then put the other 450,000 in investments, made the same car payment, got the full write-off, and let their money grow over the years of owning that car. Am I, did I do that? Of course I didn't. I was a 20-something-year-old kid. I, I couldn't have afforded or no bank would have loaned me a half million dollars. Is the average person doing that? Of course not. I'm not suggesting they do. It's just, it's just math and investing. And yeah, you know, if, if folks, if you're in the car business, you know, make sure that you check the, uh, you check the glove compartment. That's not information that should be available to the new owner. But I believe we have a call. Is this call for Money Mike, uh, Ben? It is, yes. It's Greg from Toronto. Okay. Hey, Greg, how can we make your life better this morning? Well, how are you, my friend? It's uh, Triple G. Oh, Triple G, <laughs> what is happening? Well, I had a question for Mike. I, I've listened to Mike for years now, and this is one area that I've been thinking about, and it's the idea of investing, or excuse me, borrowing money for investment purposes. And how do you identify the loan is an investment loan to Revenue Canada? That's a good well, question. The, yeah. Well, the beauty is you don't have to. There, there's nothing that you have to do to signify it. You only have to be able to prove it if you're ever audited. So as long as the loan proceeds go directly into the investments, not into your bank account, right. you can't go into your bank account and then you invest it because then they're going to say, no, it wasn't borrowed for investing. Uh, as long as the, the loan proceeds go directly into the investments, then you have the paperwork to support it if you're ever audited. And uh, we pray we never are. <laughs> we hope and we pray, and absolutely, absolutely. They don't come and work in the car industry, uh, you know, Triple G, because, uh, you know, I, I don't write anything off, I don't do anything, and I still get audited. So the car industry seems to be under the microscope for, for Revenue Canada. But does that answer your question, uh, Triple G? Thank you so much, man. I, uh, Triple G is a good friend of mine. He's a... Uh, you know, I love the guy. You know, he took me out for lunch last, uh, it was about three weeks ago, Mike. Uh, he brought uh, one of his buddies and uh, we went out for lunch downtown uh, Oakville there. And uh, his friend says, ah, you know, I'm looking for a car. So he ended up buying one of my G-Wagons. Oh, nice. <laughs> ah, they're good friends. <laughs> uh, it was fascinating. Triple G, I love you, man. I love you. You're amazing. But you know, what's that? Oh, sorry. I was just going to say that his, his call did drop in case you're going to go uh -oh. to Oh, we dropped the call by accident. Okay, sorry, Greg. I'm sure that we'll talk to you in a week. Um, but let's go back to what we were talking about, business owners and using uh, yes. the way that they shouldn't use RSPs. Yeah, you know, because RSPs um, are a great tax deduction for the everyday person, and, and it's still a fantastic program. And, I mean, again, especially when you start in your 20s, imagining um, – Earning money at your at your job or at your career, putting it into RSPs so that money has not yet been taxed, and letting mm -hmm. it grow for thirty or forty years tax deferred, it's a huge vehicle to build wealth. But business owners have another opportunity. Business Which owners, is? well, that they can they can if they're incorporated, they can leave money invested through their corporation instead of investing it personally, and. The advantage to that is that corporations pay, small business corporations anyway, pay a very small percentage of tax. Right now it's 12, 12.5% that they pay instead of, you know, the top tax bracket in Canada is 53 as an individual. So they can pay a mere 12.5% and, 
invest it inside the or through the corporation in the same investments they might have chosen for the RSPs and let it grow but they have they have avenues where they can take that money out more tax preferentially than RSPs you know when you pull money out of an RSP every dime of it is taxable at whatever your marginal tax rate is mm -hmm. but imagine this a a business owner couple who own this business and if when they decide to retire they can pull out more than $80,000 in dividends from that corporation split between the two of them and pay no tax. That's fascinating. So, you know, so you've accumulated money that you only paid 12 and a half percent tax on up front. And then you have this 80,000 a year that can come out tax free. You've paid so little tax on that money. And if you choose the right equity investments that can also grow tax deferred uh, and minimize capital gains, you can avoid a lot of the tax or, or defer a lot of the tax along the way. It's it's a beautiful thing. Folks, you should be taking notes. This is Money Mike, my personal financial advisor. If you're not taking notes, you're leaving money on the table. So if you want to reach Money Mike, you can send him an email at moneymike.ca or you can call him after the show at 905-320-6762. 905-320-6762 is his direct line. We're going to take a very, very small break. And on the other side, I want you to talk to me very quickly as to how we can leverage um, a way to fund our kids' Education, which seems to be a big expense these days. Sure. The show sure. is brought to you by Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity. We are the home of the no commission salespeople. We will be right back after the break. One of these days, folks, I'm going to record Mike actually dancing to this song and post it in social media. It's a sight to be seen. You should see this. Mike LaRock. No man should dance the way I do unless they are securely married already. Ah, <laughs> oh, boy! You know we uh, we have a a question from um, uh, from the hills of Bob Cajun. Okay. Uh, this is, I believe, this is uh, Scooter McGee here. Uh, he says, "Is it a wiser strategy to invest through a TFSA or RSP right now? And also, can interest for an investment loan contributed to a TFSA be written off?" Okay, so I'll do them in reverse order. The answer is no. You cannot borrow and invest in a TFSA and write the interest off the same way you can't write off an RSP loan interest. So, nope, fortunately, we, the government won't let us double dip there. The first question, is it better to invest today in an RSP versus a TFSA? Again, this is the age-old question. Uh, today doesn't matter. The mm -hmm. investing environment doesn't matter. If you're going to choose the same investments whether it's in a TFSA or an RRSP, it really comes down to tax. So you have to look at your individual situation and what you're trying to accumulate that money for. I'm assuming it's retirement. Mm -hmm. And if that's the case, we have to look at the tax side and decide which one gives us the best advantage based not only on when you're putting it in, but on when you're planning on pulling it back out. So uh, it's case by case. It is very, it. very important that you know when you're pulling it back out, man. It's, it could make a huge difference in your life. Huge difference. Tax is key. Huge difference. Um, the last question, and we only have a few, a few minutes left here. Uh, you were talking about a strategy where you can fund your child's education. If you can summarize this in a way that my listeners can take notes and find ways to pay for kids' edu education and not cost you an arm and a leg sure. and uh, one of your gonads. 
Sure. You know what? I um, I came across this strategy, you know, 20 years ago, and I was I always loved it. But of course, most people, when they're in the position of starting their family, they're young. They 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 aren't in a financial position to do it, and 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 don't have the the clout to exercise this kind of strategy. But I always loved the strategy. You know, the average person out there is going to take. You know, they want to fund their kids' education. They're going to take $2,500 a year. They're going to put it into RESPs. They're going to get the, the matching grant from the government. And they're going to invest all that money. And by the time the child's 14, they will have maximized the government grants. And by the time the child is 20, you know, they're going to have accumulated their retirements or their education savings. And at an 8% return, that approach can accumulate $125,000. <clears throat> further schooling. That's that's a lot of money. And that will hopefully, I mean, today's day and age, hopefully it still covers their education costs. But, um, you know, one of my mentors and one of the guys who trained me said, you know, what if instead of doing that, what if you took out a $125,000 investment loan when the child is born? Mm -hmm. Instead of putting 2500 a year into to an RESP, borrow 125000 and invest it. He said, interest only, that would cost you $5,000 a year. Okay. But, of course, the $5,000 in interest is tax deductible. You get a $2,500 refund for doing it. Put that $2,500 into their Back RESP into every year. Put it into the RESP every year. Mm -hmm. Fast forward that same scenario 20 years later, you've got the same $125,000 in RESPs. But the $125,000 you borrowed would grow to $580,000. $580,000 in 20 years. So it's like, you know what, but you, but you still owe the $125,000 because you paid interest only, so we got to pay that off. So now uh -huh. you're down to, let's call it four fifty, And then they say, you know what, I don't want this education to cost me anything. I paid $5,000 a year for 20 years. I want my hundred grand back. So now they take their $100,000 back. Now they've still got $350,000 in non-registered investments, and they've got the $125,000 in the RESPs. That's insane. Folks, I don't know if this registers with a lot of people, but this is one of the reasons why I take... You see, I Mike was a friend of, or still is, I think, a friend yes. of my ex-wife, and I kept Mike on the divorce. It's the best thing that I kept on the divorce. This is the reason why he's still my secret weapon. So he is uh, my personal financial advisor. And uh, there is so much information here for people to dissect that uh, I think that you owe it to yourself to subscribe to the podcast and listen to this stuff again. Um, if you want to talk to Money Mike, you can reach him after the show at moneymike.ca or you can call him because this is his personal cell phone number. He's crazy like I am. So you can call Money Mike at 905-320-6762. I repeat, 905-320-6762 is probably the absolute best phone call that you will ever make for your future. It was mine. It can also be yours. Money Mike. Thank you so much for being on the show, dude. I, I missed you. I hope that uh, your kid wins in the uh, baseball game uh, this Thank afternoon. You. And uh, I look forward to spending some more time with you uh, a couple of weeks from now. I look forward to it as well. Have yourselves a great weekend, gentlemen.
Thank you. That's Money Mike, everybody. Folks, the show is brought to you by Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity. We are the home of the no commission salespeople. And next hour is the hour of the grievances. If you have a complaint, if you have an issue, a concern, if you have a beef with Ben, my producer, call us. 416-870-1050 is the number. We have the lines right open. Whatever you want to talk about. I will answer your questions. You may not like the answer, but I will answer them. Let's take a small break and we'll be right back. It is time for Greg Carrasco. Kick it. Whoa, it's the Greg Carrasco Show. Get this party on the road. How fast can this light go? Whoa, yeah. Celebrity guests from the East Coast to the West. Who knows who he has next? Carrasco, trending Twitter like a bomb. Tens of thousands on his lawn. He's even followed by your mom. What? Broadcasting live. Here is your warning. The topics are flowing every Saturday morning. Car talk like Sherlock. The guy knows wheels like a Dow stock. Movie talk on a boardwalk. Shoot facts like a tomahawk. So entertaining. Turn up the station. There's no more waiting. The show is beginning. It's too late to escape. Let's go. Here's your host. Greg Carrasco. And we're back. This is Slacker number one, Greg Carrasco. And if you are a member of the Slacker Nation, don't forget that if you come by Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity, uh, you can get a t-shirt. A Slacker Nation t-shirt and then if you take a picture with a t-shirt send it to me on social media and we post it we will make you insta famous but do not under any circumstance show up empty-handed you need to bring me something like a coffee that's the price that you pay for talking to me so the way i take my coffee depends on the time of the day so if it's before one o'clock? No, actually before 12 o'clock. I will accept, as, a, as, a, as an offering, I will accept a venti americano with four long shots of espresso and four steamed heavy cream. I'll repeat this. Venti americano with four long shots of espresso and four steamed heavy cream. Yes, you'll say, Greg, how can you possibly handle that kind of, that amount of caffeine? Trust me, I am immune to it. It doesn't do anything to me anymore, um, I, but I can't drink them after 12 p.m. If I, if I do it after 12 p.m., it becomes a bit of a problem. You get the jitters. If it's after that, you can bring me a tea, just a green tea, a venti green tea. I'll drink some tea. No problem. And then I'll sit down. That's the price that you paid for the audience. You know in the movie Happy Feet, when they used to bring rocks? What was the name of the big, the, the big penguin? It was, I think it was Robin Williams in the movie. One of my favorite movies, man. Happy Feet. Ben, do you know the name of the uh, uh, Lovelace? I think it was, his name was Lovelace. It's been quite some time since I've seen the movie Happy Feet, but I can certainly Well, you know, instead of bringing me rocks, you can bring me a coffee or a tea. I'll give you a t-shirt and I'll give you invaluable advice. Now, this hour of the Carrasco Show is always safe for, it's, it's called the hour of the grievances. If you have a problem, if you have a question, suggestions, concerns, 
anything, a beef, an issue, anything. You can call us, 416-870-1050 is the number, and uh, I will talk to you. Uh, now, I have to give you a disclaimer that uh, the only advice that you should take from me is as it pertains to the car industry, because that is my areas, uh, that is my area of expertise. The, uh, that's my area of, so, studies. And uh, I, have, um, I have been very well versed on the ways of the car industry from, from a consumer standpoint, because I do believe that uh, the, the car industry is changing. And, um, and on that basis alone, I, I think that I can provide you with some information that is going to save you a lot of headaches, a lot of anxiety, a lot of problems that uh, they could come back and bite you in the butt later on. Now, before we continue with the show, and again, if you have any questions in relation to this, if you're looking at buying a car, selling a car, if you're trying to make a decision between one or another vehicle, call me. 416-870-1050. We are live right now. And if you're calling from out of town, it's 1-855-591-6876. Um, I want to tell you a story, Ben, since you are the only person that uh, is listening to me right now, right here. Um, and the whole concept of goodwill uh, at a car dealership is often misunderstood. And uh, there is a certain criteria that needs to be met for customers to uh, to get this um, so-called goodwill. And uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go over the the story with you. We had a customer um, a little while ago that um, had a problem with their transmission, uh, and um, we um, the vehicle is out of out of warranty, of course, uh, because if it was under warranty, we wouldn't this wouldn't be a story. Uh, but the customer was out of warranty, and um, they were demanding to have the warranty replaced under goodwill. Now, if you are out of warranty, there, there is a there is a there, there is a promise that any car manufacturer will make to you uh, that says the following: for for the next three, four, five years, six years, seven years, depending on the car manufacturer, it, it, it changes. For the next however many years, and for this number of kilometers. We guarantee to you that if there is any manufacturer malfunction, manufacturer defect with this vehicle, we will pay for it. Because we believe that within, uh, within reason, uh, if you have done everything that needs to be done to this vehicle to be kept up to the maintenance standards, this vehicle should not have any problems. But past this number of years, whether it's three or five years, we cannot assume any responsibility because at that particular point, any machine available to man will suffer wear and tear that is specific to the way that you drive it, to where you drive it, how you drive it, in the way you maintain it. So at that point, the manufacturer said, you know, like Pontius Pilots, we wash our hands, now it becomes your problem. Let me rephrase that. Now it becomes your issue as opposed to mine. So there are some exceptions. And some of those exceptions is something that in our industry we call goodwill. So let's say that you bought the vehicle at the dealership. Let's say that you bought a Nissan. And uh, you have always serviced the vehicle to the Nissan dealership. Now, we prefer it if you service it to, at the dealership that you bought it from, but we also understand that people move and people work somewhere else and so on and so on. So you can go and service it at another Nissan store and uh, you have a maintenance booklet. This maintenance booklet is the only 
thing that you are demanded to upkeep in order for the, the, the warranty to stay valid, okay? If it's not in your maintenance schedule, it's an upsell, don't do it. I know a lot of dealers are going to be mad at me about this. And that's okay because this is an actual fact. So you have a maintenance schedule booklet. If you follow that to the letter of the law that appears in there, and you do your oil changes and your maintenance and your type 1, type 2, type 3, type 4 maintenance when you're supposed to, how you're supposed to, and where you're supposed to. At this point, you become a good customer. You are a good, loyal client. So you have done nothing wrong. And let's say that your warranty lasts for 5 years and 100,000 kilometers. And at 5 years and hundred and 6,000 kilometers. You have a catastrophic failure of a major component. Whether it's the engine, whether it's the transmission, whether it's the driving axles, the suspension, the alternator, the radiator, you name it. Then at this point, you say to me, Greg, I'm a good customer. And I said, okay, let's, let's see. So we go into your service history. And you have done everything right. There is not a single thing that we have not recommended that you haven't taken our advice for it. And that you've done everything you have every single time that the manufacturer required that you would come in. You have come in. And if you haven't been around, you, you can prove it that you've done it. And I can see that through no fault of your own, just immediately after your warranty has expired, you have a catastrophic failure. At this point, you fall under a system that is called good will. Now, this is completely at the discretion of the manufacturer with the input of the dealership because we, we get to fight your case uh, when we go to the manufacturer and say, look, this customer has done everything. The customer has done everything right. The customer has done every single maintenance that it was required. They may not have an extended warranty, which you should have an extended warranty. And the only thing that happens when you have an extended warranty, you extend the time in which you are covered under all this manufacturer promise. And then also you extend the time for your goodwill. Because now if you have a seven year 160, or yeah, seven year 160, seven year 190, depending on the manufacturer, you can have a warranty that's that long. If something happens after the scope of that extended warranty, you still have goodwill. So at this point, we said to the manufacturer, look, the customer is a rock star. They've done everything. This was a malfunction, malfunction of the vehicle. Let's help them out. Guess what the manufacturer is going to say, Ben, when I present all the evidence that this customer did everything right? What do you think they're going to say if five, 6,000 kilometers later, the transmission falls out of a car, but they've done everything right? What do you think the customer is going to get as an answer from the manufacturer that has seen the behavior and the loyalty that they have, not only to the product, but also to the, to the maintenance of that product? See you later. No, they're going to say, we will take care of you. <laughs> you have earned some goodwill, and because you are so awesome to us, we are going to be awesome to you right back. So at that point, you fall within the scope of something that we call goodwill. Now, 
There are many customers out there, okay, that buy a vehicle from a new car dealership, but you never see them again. They service a vehicle somewhere else, sometimes they do it themselves. We never see them back at the store, except when there is a problem. But we don't know if the problem was caused by anything that the manufacturer did or by the lack of maintenance on the vehicle because nothing can be proven. So at this point, you get into the gray area of the car industry. You get into the gray area. And unfortunately, when it comes to gray areas, there is not a lot to be discussed. So here, is, here are some of the questions that the manufacturer is going to ask when we are applying for goodwill. Number one, did they buy the vehicle from you? Yes or no? Have they always serviced the vehicle at your location or at the selling brand? So they may not service the vehicle at my Nissan store or my Infinity store, but have they serviced it at another Nissan location? Okay, number three. Have they completed all the maintenance schedule that appears on the actual maintenance booklet? And uh, how far out of the warranty scope are they? So if, if those five items are within, if you get a yes, there is no reason why anyone would ever deny you goodwill. We are invested in the relationship just as you are invested in maintaining that relationship. And on that basis alone, we will take care of you. But if you show up, we don't even know who you are. We don't know your name. You've never, you never bought the vehicle from us. You don't service a vehicle from us. Well, you bought it from a used car lot in the middle of nowhere. You have no idea to prove the service history of this car. You have to expect that the manufacturer and the dealership saying no to you is a reasonable response. And it's, you, sh you should not be upset. You cannot be uh, upset at the expected. You're being unreasonable. And you yelling at the dealership, you yelling at the service advisor or at the manufacturer or standing on a picket line outside of the manufacturer is not going to change the fact that you're not a good customer. Do we have a phone call, Ben? We do. Uh, the gentleman wants to remain unnamed because uh, you do know him, so he wants he wants you to take a shot at guessing who's, uh, who's on the line. <laughs> oh, boy. I'm terrible at this. Anyways... Uh, how can I make your life better this morning? Hey, I have a grievance, actually, at the same time. It's going to turn into a question. So my grievance is uh, we are of a lack of political, uh, I guess you can say, fortitude in, uh, in our country. There's no one really right now that we can vote for that's actually going to do anything good for us. So my real question is, when are we going to see Slacker Nation Party signs all over the place? Uh, where, you know, you're going to lead us into something that's uh, actually going to be fruitful in the end? You know, I, I have to tell you this, man, because I, how can I explain this in a way that makes sense? Um, I, I, I don't think I'm smart enough to be, um, you know, the head of a political party. And um, if, if I were to be small, smart enough and well-read enough to be the head of a political party, I don't know if I would want that kind of power. Because the, 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 the tremendous amount of responsibility that rests upon the hands of the people that are leading the nation is often understated and um, underappreciated. Um, 
politics is one of my passions, man. I, you know, my son, my eldest son is studying uh, constitutional law or, or he's soon to be. And uh, his his career will be a, a politician. Now, whether it will be on the right side of the political spectrum, uh, it's yet to be decided. I hope that things do change because our education system is spitting activists instead of thinkers. And that is a great concern to me. Because somehow, based on what I see, you know, kids are not being taught how to think, but more what to think. And that's a pretty scary, scary situation that we have in Canadian politics right now. You know, maybe one day, man, I, I think that one day I will probably run uh, for office. Uh, I cannot afford the pay cut. Uh, <laughs> and we need more philosopher kings in our political system. But what makes you think that I would make a good politician? Quite honestly, I think it's the fact that you're relying on logic and reason over emotion and over, uh, I guess you can say, using um, your, you, you, I don't want to say your heart because there is a lot of heart in you as well, but you're using logic and reason to come to conclusions and to have ideas that are based on fact instead of saying, I'm going to do what everyone else or, or what people think they should do because... You know, it makes people feel good. Uh, you know, you, you're you're really relying on something that's important, and and it's something that we lack in our in our political system right now. It's really all about image. It's really all about being reelected. It's all about you know pleasing, and and that's not how things work. You know, things have to be done pr- appropriately in in within reason and, and with all the things that are in front of us, not what we think everyone else is going to feel. Right. And and I think I see that in you, and, and and it's unfortunate that we don't have more people with that type of reasoning or that type of logic or thinking process in order to, you know, lead our country. We 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 we're just looking at at our politicians. You know, Doug Ford, no 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 vaccine passport. Now there's so much pressure uh, on him to do something that you know he's going to end up having to decide that he's going to do because he wants to be reelected and he wants to please you know, unfortunately, those around him. Uh, so that, that, that's the thing. We need someone with, with fortitude who can stand up and say, hold on a second, let's look at the data, let's look at the facts, let's look at really what's happening, not what you feel is happening or what the media may necessarily may be saying all the time or spewing. Uh, so, you know, we, we need a leader that, that, that can really stand their ground and think, as you said, you know, for themselves, but also to inspire people to do things right we don't really have very many politicians who inspire the population you know the, it, it's always you have to do this or we're putting in this or we're putting in that but there's no one saying to 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 the population especially like you said to our young children think for yourself this is what we're we're presenting think for yourself grow through learning new things Learn perspectives that are not your own so that you can maybe be exposed to something different. And maybe you will change your opinion. Maybe you were wrong or maybe you were right for you at the time. And now over time you realize, oh, maybe I was wrong. So that's basically what it is. You know, we we need somebody like you who can instill that. You know, you're a very inspiring person. Your story is absolutely amazing. 
You know, you came from a place. I have a lot of check marks from the in the oppression Olympics. <laughs> so, <laughs> but you know, you know, here here is the interesting thing, and I and I think that one of the biggest things that we lack in Canadian politics right now is the fact that you know a lot of the people that are running for office. Uh, don't have anything in common with the with the regular folk, you know. And I, and I said this a couple of weeks ago on the show. They're not regular people. I mean, look at our prime minister is part of a of a dynasty of politicians. I mean, if nepotism kills industry, uh, you can only imagine what nepotism does to politics. Because this guy only got a, he did not get elected based on merit. He did not get elected based on competence. He got elected because of a name, and that by by itself is one of the greatest problems that we have in our society today. The people that we have leading us are not people that understand the actual common problems of the regular Canadians. I mean, Canadian, Canadian society is based on mostly, I mean, by a big portion is we are all immigrants and myself is one of them. And uh, although I can relate, I don't claim to have all the answers, but you know, being a politician is a pretty scary thing to do because you are, the moment that you get into office, you are bound to be hated by you know, 49 or 51% of the population, you can never really make everyone happy. And and I do agree with you that um, right now we, we have a pretty scary position. And uh, I, although I declare myself a political orphan, I do feel that the choice is, uh, is essentially only one. And uh, we cannot continue with the way that we're going right now because uh, I don't know. I mean, coming from a from a authoritarian regime, I can see it all over the wall on this one, and I cannot believe that people are not paying attention to how the country's taking a turn for the worse. So we need to change this, and we need to change it now. And I think that whatever it is that your political views are, you know, get activated, choose, step up, speak up. Because if you don't speak up now, no one is going to speak up for you. And, and often we, we run the risk of alienating people by giving our opinions out. But like I said on the show before, and I, I was discussing this with my producer Ben earlier on, you know, if, if, if you are not open to have your mind changed, if it doesn't matter what information or what ideas are exchanged, you are not willing to change your mind on a topic regardless of the facts, then we have a bigger problem because we, we are not having a discussion, we are arguing. And I don't want to argue. I want to have a discussion here. Yes, I know who you are and how can I forget that voice? And uh, I miss you tremendously, dude. I have, you have no idea how much I miss you. And uh, I hope that you and your family are doing well. I love you right back and thank you so much for calling the Carrasco Show. Let's talk to Joe and Vaughn. Uh, I'm sure that Joe has something interesting to say. Joe, how can I make your life better this morning here on the Carrasco Show? Great. Top of the morning. Hope all is well today. Thank you. Good. Hey, uh, I've been listening to you for the better part of uh, 13 years and I've uh, followed you quite a bit on, uh, on the radio. The last couple of weeks, you know, you've been, you know, strongly suggesting that uh, the governments are going down a wrong path and they're not willing for their minds to be changed at all. In regards to, there's a growing number of scientists online that are speaking out against the possible harms regarding the, the vaccine, and I was just wondering a great topic, maybe if you're interested, is having some of these scientists come on your show and explain their viewpoints. 
Well, and I, I think that uh, this is a, it's a very sensitive topic, and uh, because I, I don't know enough about it, I have been reluctant to have decisive opinions on that topic itself, because I encourage everyone to go out there and, and make the choices that are right for them. And if that happens to be that you want to get vaccinated, go do it, do it right away, because it's important. And I think that the government wants you to do that anyways. Uh, but I, I do encourage everyone to respect everyone's choices independently. And, uh, and, and there is where the line is, because, uh, you know, I don't have all the answers. I have an opinion that is open to be changed and I haven't heard compelling enough evidence for that opinion to be changed. Now, the, the show is open for anybody to call. I will speak to anyone. If Justin Trudeau wants to call the show, I will speak to him. If Aaron O'Toole wants to call the show, I will speak to him. If Maxime Bernier wants to call the show, I will speak to him. If uh, the head of the NDP, I can't, what's his name? Uh, you would know, Ben. Jagmeet Singh. Yeah. Yeah. Jagmeet Singh wants to call the show. I will speak to him as well. I need to understand this. And I can tell you this. If somebody is trying to force a vaccine passport right now, it would be the deciding factor for me to say, no, I'm sorry. I will not support you and be voting for you simply because we are creating a caste. We are creating a different level of rights and freedoms for certain people based on their individual choices. And I don't know if I can get behind that. I'm sorry. I, I, I don't know if I can get behind that. I think it's a, it's a slippery slope, and I don't think that people are paying enough attention to what this means. It means that there is a second class of citizen. And, you know, this is very interesting because, you know, if you're vaccinated, great. It's awesome. But if you're vaccinated and you go into a, a restaurant and you, you carry the virus and you infect somebody, it's okay. But if you are not vaccinated and you go to the same restaurant and you infect somebody, you are the devil. How does that work? So I, there is a lot of questions that I don't have actual answers for. And again, folks, I don't know enough about this for you to listen to my opinion. I'm just a dumb car guy. All, all I'm trying to do here is to open up the, uh, a discussion that hopefully is going to create some activation, that we are going to activate the population to get involved in the actual movements, into the opinions, into the political parties that ultimately will benefit the, what they want to see the face of Canada to be. Uh, right now, I do think that um, we never in the history of Canada, we have seen a prime minister to be brought up to the ethics commission three or four times now. This is unheard of. We need to throw these bums out. And uh, I'm sorry, man, this is just my opinion on that. And this has got nothing to do with COVID. It's got to do with ethics. And uh, that's where my problem lies. So I don't, you know, Joe, the, the show is open. Uh, again, I don't expect anyone to take my opinion seriously. My expertise is not politics. It's not the vaccine. I'm not a scientist. I don't know anything about this. I, I just have very strong opinions. I read a lot, a lot more than people think I do. And uh, I, I have a very decisive opinion on this. And um, if anybody wants to call the show and discuss it, not fight about it. I don't want to fight with anyone. I want to have an, a conversation in, in which we can open up the doors for dialogue. And that's one of the scariest things that we have today, that we are censoring open dialogue. And that's terrifying to me. Joe, hopefully that answers your question. I really thank you for calling the show. And, um, you know, we, what we're going to do is that we're going to take a small break, folks. If you want to have a say in the matter, call us. 416-870-1050 is the phone number. The lines are open, and this is the hour of the grievances. Whatever you want to talk about, I'm here. I will listen to you. I don't have to agree with you, and you don't have to agree with me, but I will listen to you, and we will talk. Let's take a small break, and we'll be right back. And we're back. <laughs> 
it seems like <laughs> this has has made the phones light up. Um, I I want to I want to bring some um, some disclosure here. Um, I will not allow this show to be uh, the platform for, for some anti-vaccine spewing nonsense. This is not what we do here. Uh, we, myself, I am not against the vaccine. This show is not about this. That's not what my opinion represents. So if that's what you're going to call me to talk about, I don't want to talk to you. Also, like I said three times on the show, if you're calling me, and uh, you are not open to have your mind changed, just like I'm open to have my mind changed, then it becomes an argument. It's not a discussion. And I don't, I don't want to argue with anyone this morning. We want us to have a conversation. I think it's important that, uh, that we talk about uh, sensitive topics without censoring each other, without having to fight. Why are we so averse to talk about sensitive things like religion and politics and whatnot? Why? You know, you, you have to, as a sentient being, as a, as a well-read, educated person, you have to be able to read, construct your arguments, and test them out. You see, the best solution for bad ideas, somebody said this once, I can't take credit for this, is sunlight. You need to expose crappy ideas, challenge them, argue about them, and hopefully better ideas will come. That's the whole point of having a conversation. You know, I'm perfectly okay with having a spar here. Now, this show is not about politics. This show is not about anything else other than cars. That's my only area of expertise. The rest is all subjective, personal opinions on stuff that I have read, that I have exposed myself to. And on that, that's the only advice that you should take. Anything else, if you're taking my advice on anything else, you, have, you need to have better things to do with your life. <laughs> when it comes to cars, my advice is good. My advice is solid. It's transparent. I will help you alleviate the problems. And you, if you want to talk to me, you know where to find me. The show is brought to you by Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity. And the idea of the show is to activate. We want to get you engaged. And the fact that you're listening to the show right now and you are chomping at the bit, to call the show and tell me how things work. Love it. Who do we have on the line, Ben? First caller is Bastia. Bastia, you're on the Great Carrasco Show. Bastia, how can I make your life better this morning? Greg, you've got a good show. Thank you. And, and Greg, if I may, could I talk about religion? Okay. Okay. This, this, is what this is what I think is going around in, in the world. There's a lot of talk about global warming and all this kind of stuff. And and now and and, we, and there's pandemics going on. But you know whether you believe it or not, and you can cut me off anytime you you want. Because no problem. Jesus Christ is going to come back one of these days. And it says before he comes back, there's going to be turmoil, there's going to be pestilences, there's going to be all different kinds of stuff happening 
before he comes back. And what I think, from what I have been reading in the Bible, and this is just the beginning of stuff to happen before he comes back. Uh, is Pastor still there? We lost her? Uh, sorry, Pastor, we just lost her here. Uh, look, I have... Uh, <laughs> I, I will share this with you, Bastia, just, just so you know. Uh, I am no longer a religious person. I, I was born and raised um, apostolic Pentecostal. Um, I, was, uh, I was baptized at the age of 13 in a river of living waters. So I accepted, at the time... I accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. Things have changed a little bit since. So, no, I am no longer a religious person. Uh, I decided to give up that side of me that was indoctrinated into my brain at a very, very young age, which was unfair because I never had a chance or a choice. I decided instead of being religious... I decided not even to be a nice person. I decided to be a good person. Because I have seen religious people doing stupid things all throughout my life. And uh, I think that if there is such a thing as what you said that there is, it will be far easier uh, to be on the good side of things when you are just a good person. So, no, I am not a religious person. I am not a, this is not a religious show. I just choose to be a good person. And I act my life as if. Although I don't believe in it, I do act as if. I don't know if that makes sense to you folks, but Bastia, sorry we lost you there. And thank you so much for calling the show. And uh, I hope you keep on listening. Let's talk to John from Concord. And by the way, if you have any other comments on the show, you can call us. 416-870-1050 is the number. Again, 416-870-1050 is the number. And we are live. And whatever you want to talk about, we will talk about. John, how can I make your life better this morning? Finally, we have someone with some perspective. And I'm not afraid to say it otherwise. If you had said something contrary to what I believe in, uh, I'm, I fully support. And I fully support the line. And I know some people don't like it. We've got to get rid of these bums. You're right. You're right. Um, the, um, the type of individuals that have been running this country, or better still, running this country to the ground, have to go. Have to go. They have never been challenged. Anytime Pierre's son, because that's what I call him, because it's not Justin, it's Pierre's son. He got elected because of his last name. If he had either your last name or my last name, he, he wouldn't even have won the liberal leadership. Um, the unfortunate part is he's now held accountable. Never. And he was the guy that once said, I'm going to get into politics and I don't want to be a politician. He's even worse. He's become a refined politician. And it's sad. It's really sad. And like you said, you cannot have a contrary opinion to the narrative of today, whatever the narrative might be, because you're going to be squashed or you might even lose your job. What kind of a society are we living in? So well, I, it's I think refreshing that to hear some individuals that take the mic on the radio and actually tell it how it is, because that's not happening today either. 
Well, I have to walk a very, you know, fine line, John, and this is the scary part because you see, and, and I said this last week, I, I, I don't, I'm not from here. I, I'm, I am an immigrant. I am an ESL. I am an, uh, I'm a business person. And, uh, you know, is that whole rack to riches things when you show up at uh, a Pearson airport here with 50 bucks and you don't know anybody and you can't even speak English and then you make something out of nothing, then you understand, you know, how wonderful this can, this country is. And uh, there is a lot of Canada-hating uh, topics going on right now out there. And uh, I, 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 I will stand against that. Um, you know, I, I, I committed some time to the Canadian Armed Forces. And on that basis, I feel that I'm well within my right to give my opinion. And, you know, those are the things that we value the most about Western civilization, that we can have this discussion and that you are not going to be uh, uh, made disappear by the government, that you are not going to be, um, you know, incarcerated or prosecuted simply because you have a different opinion. Now, you know, this show here is, is, is an open conversation. We do this every single Saturday. And it's, and it's fascinating how many people call the show, whether they agree with it or not, it doesn't matter. I love you anyways. Um, and, and we, just the fact that we are open to have a conversation is great. Now, I do think that uh, this election uh, is going to backfire on uh, Comrade Trudeau. Uh, I, I do think that um, he overestimated his influence on younger people and buying votes, which is what he's been doing for the last year or so. And I think that there is a large number of people that are seeing what's happening. And uh, I think that is he, he, you know, I was a member of his party for a long time. I paid my dues. And I said this last week also, you know, I paid my dues to the Liberal Party, but he made me leave the left. He made me leave the left. And I think that the right is unifying right now. And I think that, you know, the people in the right in Canada are getting together and they're saying, you know, enough is enough. Yeah. So, you know, there is something really interesting happening in Canadian politics right now. And um, I, uh, the, 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 this platform is open to anybody that wants to talk about anything of any political inclination. And uh, I will give them the, uh, the opportunity to give me their thoughts. But, you know, John, thank you so much for listening to the show and appreciating what I do. Um, again, don't take my advice on anything other than just cars. That's all the only thing that I truly know what I'm talking about. So let's talk to Joe in Toronto. Joe, thank you for calling the Carrasco Show. Uh, hey. How can I make your life better this morning? Thanks, Greg. I, I just need an opinion uh, Well, about cars. I'm going to give you a break. It's about cars. Um, <laughs> thank you. Uh, no problem, no problem. Uh, th this is a quick scenario. I have a, a Ford Focus. The something happened with the ignition module. Uh, the the dealer said they can't get a part. It was first it was about four days, and now it's becoming between five and ten days. After a week, I asked if they have like a loaner car. They said they'd have to look into it because it's under warranty. Anyways, from a focus, I went to pick up the loaner car, uh, and I see an Expedition. Now, like. I said, is there any way to get something smaller? I drive around for work. Like, I might as well not go to work because by the time I fill this up with gas, it's not going to be worth it. Like, do I, am I being, like, uh, like too hard-headed here? Or, like, do I have, like, a legitimate gripe? Like, I, I just want to know. Like, I don't want to make this into a big thing, but uh, they're saying they don't have anything available. Like, like what's, what, what's my next steps? Okay, um, how many kilometers do you have in your car? Uh, it's about 40, 45,000. So I presume the car is two years old. Uh, yeah, it's a 2017, I believe 2018. 
Okay, so I think that um, depending on the dealership that you're dealing with, uh, you know, for us, for example, if you if we put you out for whatever reason, for a lack of uh, parts or we can't supply anything specific, uh, the manufacturer steps up and helps you cover for the cost of a loaner. So I think that there is a lot of um, uh, latitude that a dealership does have in providing you with a loaner if your vehicle is not... Um, sorry, sorry to but, cut you off. They said there's one... Um, it's, it, I don't want to say the name of the dealership. It's a Ford dealership in Vaughan. Yeah, the, the, you don't uh, have to. Yeah, uh, they said they only deal with the one um, company and that gives them a better rate. But I said, like, is there anything... And because it's a Ford, they only want to rent a Ford. But I'm like, there's, there's got to be a sedan out there. Like, like my, me and my wife work. We're only sharing one car. It's been kind of tough for a week. Like and, and it's yeah, I, I hear you. You know, so. you know, I'm 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 sorry, man. And I don't think that yeah. you're being unreasonable by asking your dealer to help you. Uh, yeah. But also, you know, beggars can be choosers. I mean, if they're giving you a vehicle to drive, you just have I to know, take the that, fact that they're giving the you something. I, I, that's why I wanted to see like what. No, just take what they're giving you and, and, and enjoy the wheels. It's, hopefully, it's not going to be for long. But I can tell everybody right now is that if you have a problem with a car, there is a serious shortage of parts and cars and, uh, and microconductors. So you, you better make sure that before you go into the dealership or if you go into a new car dealership to, go, to do service on something that may not be in stock, you ask them what the loaner policy is because you don't want to be put out like this for weeks in and weeks out. And this could have a serious effect on your work and your personal life and whatnot. But Joe... Thank you so much for calling the show. Hopefully, uh, what I said to you answered your question. And, folks, we need to take a small break right now. Uh, the show is brought to you by Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity. We are the home of the no-commission salespeople. And don't forget that until the end of the month, you can get a brand-new 2021 Nissan Sentra with $9.95 down on a two-year lease for $49 a week plus tax. Plus, we cover your maintenance for two years. It's the absolute best deal in the province of Ontario. You need to make it down to Oakville Nissan. Let's take a small break, and we'll be right back. And we're back. You're listening to the People's Republic of Canada's largest automotive radio show, the Greg Carrasco Show. 13 years on air and counting. I'm going to knock on wood. <laughs> This show is getting pretty intense, and my producer is biting his lip. <laughs> we walk a line. We need to walk a line. The meme was, make Orwell fiction again. That's what the meme says. It's not a meme. It's a reality. The only thing I wish is that people would be more open to just have a conversation that the people across the aisle are not your enemies they're people just like you they have to pay bills go to the bathroom eat raise children they just stand in across the aisle with a different perspective and for you to vilify them simply because they have a different opinion than you it's not only right but it's evil you know, that's the whole beauty of the diversity of our country, the diversity of our planet. That there are so many different beliefs. They don't have to be yours. They're just different beliefs. But we seem to have forgotten the humanity of our neighbors, the humanity of the people across the street, the humanity of people that are maybe not agree, not agreeing to the way that you think. That doesn't make them your enemies. 
I know that it's, it's kind of difficult to hear this from just a car guy, especially on a talk show, that is telling you maybe we should stop talking for once and listen a little bit more. Because you can only learn when you're listening, or reading for that matter. And if we could put our personal feelings aside and maybe walk in somebody else's shoes and listen to what they have to say, maybe we would be a little bit more understanding and show some empathy to what they're saying to you. You know, we were talking about the now earlier uh, when, when Money Mike's was, was on air. And I was talking about how the whole concept of the future being a figment of our imagination and the past being just imprinted in our memory and that today is all we truly ever, ever, ever had. Think about that for a second. Is this the way that you want your life to be? Because this very second that you're living right now is the only thing that you truly have. You have no idea what's going to happen five, ten 20 minutes from now, a day from now, a year from now. And this is the problem with the last time, you know, the whole phrase of last time. The problem with last time is we never know when that last time is. You know, was this the last time you said goodbye to your parents? I don't know. Was this the last time you went for an actual run? The world can be so much nicer if we are able to just listen to one another as opposed to just fight and just yell at each other's just we can convince people to our way of thinking. You know, if I do anything this morning, if anything was accomplished, I want you to take a step back and just take a, take a deep breath. This is nothing personal. Everybody's life is different. Everybody's life, everybody's opinion is based on a symphony of additions of every single experience that they've ever had. And that's how you arrive to become who you become. And that, and that journey is so different for everyone. But I mean, in this trying times, just be kind. Is that so hard? Is that so difficult to ask from somebody? Just be kind. Be nice. You have nothing to lose. Nothing Bad happens when you provide a smile to somebody. Anyways, I'm not going to continue to pontificate here on a Saturday morning because you're all grown-ups. You all know what you're doing, and I certainly don't. I'm trying to figure this stuff out, just like you are. The only thing I do know is this, that after almost 30 years in the car industry, I can help you. I can make problems go away because I know the problems of my industry. And wherever I happen to be working at, in my opinion, it's the absolute safest place that you can go and conduct business. Why? Because I'm there. And I train my people. And my people understand what I do. So before you make any automotive decision, you owe it to yourself to make it down to Oakville Infinity and Oakville Nissan. And you all know why. There is something happening there at Oakville Nissan. Com. It's been an honor serving with you all. Autobots, roll out!